Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. Very excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you from down here in Scottsdale, Arizona at spring training. Had a couple days in, gotten to talk to a lot of the guys on the record, off the record, checking the vibes, several meetings with Bud Black. Feeling the vibes, really. I I know I've used that word a lot here early on, but that's the time of the year that it is. That's what we're out here feeling and doing. This weather is very nice. Everyone's in a good mood. It's just what happens this time of year. Though I I will say, not always. I, I mentioned that yesterday, but we're not doing that anymore. We talked about that on the previous show. I wanted to get into discussing on this episode... A lot of these young ball players who are looking to make an impact on this team, uh, where they stand, what they've done in the spring, what I've managed to gather from talking either to them or to Bud Black about them. So let's dive right into it, beginning with Elieris Montero, who I think I'm zeroing in on the exact correct pronunciation of that first name. Got to sit down with Jack Corrigan and see if I can figure that out. Maybe Drew Goodman I actually saw a good friend, Drew Gridman, the other day, uh, but I, I didn't get that bit of information out of him, the pronunciation of Elijeros Montero. Uh, but that's going to be, I think, something that the big league guys are going to have uh, at least a month or so to figure out. It does look like Montero will be starting the season in AAA. For anyone listening to this who might not remember, which I'm going to guess isn't too many people, but we'll go over the history again. You'll remember he came over in the Nolan Arenado trade. Obviously, not much was made of the players that came back, but he has an interesting history. He had some really good seasons in the Cardinals organization, including being uh, an MVP in high A ball, but he got hurt. Uh, He came back. He, He hadn't been playing especially well, and so his numbers weren't great when he came over to the Rockies organization, but Immediately upon getting here and going to double A, Montero was fantastic, put up monster numbers, such good numbers, in fact, that he earned a promotion to triple A, where he continued to hit very well, which was a really good sign because that can be a tough jump to at the point where there's a lot of guys in triple A who are basically major leaguers at that point, right? They either have been or they're there on a rehab start or they're about to be. And so Montero was really impressing, comes out to spring training, continues to impress a couple of homers, a couple of big doubles, um, even a couple of nice plays defensively, though I did talk to Bud Black about him today, and he said, you know, we we gotta we do gotta shore up some things defensively at third and first. You know, he's he's got some things to work on there, which was always the scouting report, right? We're talking about a big bat, a big strong guy. Uh, maybe he'll see some time if he's really raking in the minors, and and the Rockies are looking for extra thump. Maybe their guys are slumping or their injuries or whatever. You you might see Montero in a DH role. And I, I think that that's something that, you know, the way Bud Black and talking to me about him today sort of uh, pumped the brakes. It's funny, he, he did mention, he, was, he goes, Drew, you know, you always, you, you like asking about those young players. And I appreciate that. Of course, I had talked to him the day before about Justin Lawrence and wrote about that for milehighsports.com. And he's going to be one of these young guys too, who's, he's a little bit older in terms of actual age, but as far as 
experience. Uh, he's a younger player, and I think he's can, he can be an impact as well. But on Montero, there's this palpable kind of excitement for what he could be, but you, you don't want to run too far too fast, right? You, you want to let him develop into the absolute best player that he can become. You'd love to shore up that defense so that he can be a value for you at third or first so that he's not just a, a DH throughout his career. But this is also a kid that, make no mistake about it, if the Rockies have a bat that can be an all-star level bat that is not yet made their major league debut for the Rockies, it's Montero. This guy's got it. Now, it, there's a lot to play out here. You, you, you got to hope it continues to be there in AAA, but really his healthy numbers in the minors are all well, well above league average. The WRC plus numbers, sometimes in the 160s, you know, but even in, in AAA last year. So you've got this guy really knocking on the door, uh, but he's got him in there today again before uh, I'm recording this before their game in Scottsdale against the Giants. I'm going to see a few more swings despite the fact that he has been sent back down to minor league camp. But they're they're getting an extended look at him. Uh, you know, there's only about a week left here. There's there's a le less than a week left and they're still getting looks at this guy. Everyone needs to be getting their reps in at this time. So that just shows you how close they think he is, even though he's going to start the year out in AAA. So that's a guy who I know I've been looking more and more closely at and to see his performance this spring where he's continued to carry that through, right? And, and all you're really looking for now with Montero is he's established the kind of hitter he is at double A AA and triple A. He's been very consistent. He strikes out some, but not, you know, at those levels, we're talking 20%. So below league average at the major leagues, I'd have to check what they are for each. It varies, obviously, in the minors. But he's been he's never been a huge strikeout guy. Let me put it that way. Right. Like even, for example, to compare him to other Rockies, minor league power hitting prospects that I've covered. Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon, those guys struck out more in their minor league careers. The strikeout was definitely more an element of their game. And, and as we saw in their major league careers, has continued to be, right? And Montero has been just a bit better in that regard. More all-field power, better contact rates. And that's both his time with St. Louis and now in Colorado. And he continued that in spring training. And so you just want to hope that he can maintain and this is the, the it's the hardest thing to say. It's so easy for me to say this, so hard for guys to do it, and bring that level of production to the big league level. If he's the same type of hitter in the bigs that he's been in the in the littles, they don't call it that for a reason. Uh, then the Rockies have themselves a, a very special bat waiting in the wings, and that's another thing to get excited about for this offense. Another guy, so a couple of guys I alluded to in there, uh, wanted to take a few quick minutes. Colton Welker, uh, we have not seen this spring because he's been dealing with an eye thing. It's like an eye infection, kind of a weird thing. They say he's going to be just fine, uh, but it was, 
it just cost him the spring, basically. So he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Certainly at the big league level, I'm sure they'll send him out AAA, get him right into some games there. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he recovers from that, have, not having the spring training and how that impacts his timeline. Because Welker was the guy of this young group that was probably the most... I shouldn't even say probably. He was the closest. He, he had already made his major league debut. He had the most time at the big league level. They were really getting a look at him at the end of last year. And and it had been clear before that, that like he would have made his debut a couple of times earlier, if not for some injuries, a really weird and wonky suspension that never should have happened. Um, so he just had a lot of things kept getting thrown in his way, right? Or he would have already been in the big leagues. And so now, now here's another one, right? With this eye thing. So the schedule on Welker is all jumbled up and a little bit tough to tell. But if he gets back out there and gets back to doing his thing with the bat above average contact rate, you know, doing his thing, then you, you, you're going to likely see him at some point this season. But obviously it's not going to probably be quite as early as a lot of people were hoping. Ryan Vallade is the other guy. Again, he's back in the lineup again today. And I keep reading very mixed reports on Ryan Vallade. So I'm excited to get my eyes on him. To, to really watch him uh, both at the plate and out in the field. You know, I saw him play in Grand Junction uh, a while ago, uh, and he had just moved over to third base. I think he had played some shortstop. Uh, they've moved him all around the diamond. He's played every position in the outfield, and third and first, and again, a little bit of short. I think second base and catcher are the only two positions that Ryan Vallade has not played one point or another during his minor league career. And I get, again, very mixed reports on the caliber of his defense, everything from he's actually pretty good at every spot to, uh, you know, it was obviously most of these guys were, Connor Joe said this to me the other day. It was like, you know, we all came up at shortstops, right? I was like, yeah, I know. Every single one of you guys was the shortstop and the best starting pitcher on your high school team. But, and now you play whatever position you can find, uh, you know, and the really, really good ones get to stay at shortstop sometimes. But yeah, it's it's one of those things with Ryan Valade where I, I really don't have a good feel anymore for what he's going to be able to bring defensively if his positional versatility is this really amazing thing that you have because then you can just, if his, if his bat is going, you can find a spot for him and get him in there just about anywhere and you don't have to worry about blocking guys or, or any of that stuff. But if the defense you know, is it an asset if the reason he keeps moving around all of these times, and I hadn't heard this from anybody in the Rockies organization, though, again, over the last two years, it's been a little bit tougher to just walk the halls and get information from people because there've been no halls to walk. We haven't been allowed to do that. We haven't been allowed to, to see anybody in person. It's all over Zoom. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to that and, and learning some information about this kid. Ryan Valade, but I know the bat looks like it's going to play, and so that's going to be interesting, too. The Rockies have, and it's hilarious. I was talking yesterday, and, and uh, you know, since the Chris Bryant, or no, since the Randall Gritchick trade, I guess I should say, about how right-handed heavy the Rockies are, and here are their three best bats in the minors in Welker, Valade, and Montero, and they're all right-handed hitters. <laughs> You know, Zach Veen is a is a ways off. We'll we'll start having those Zach Veen conversations one day. There's a big power lefty for your future potentially, but for right now, uh, those are the guys. And you know, it's been a weird spring for Welker and a very good spring for 
Valade, and especially Montero. And so that's where those guys are at going into the season. And I think uh, Montero especially is is my pick to be your kind of dark horse surprise contributor for the Rockies here in 2022. Let's go over to the pitching side, talk about a few of the arms. Uh, I got to talking today, actually, just a few hours ago with Austin Gomber. And here's another very key player for the Rockies this season. A guy who, if he truly maximizes his potential, I think can dramatically change the Rockies' floor and ceiling. Right? He's one of those. And, and it's not because he's necessarily proven to be a key player before. It could go the other way. He's only got one season under his belt. And you know, as I was talking today, right, when he was really going at his best, that's when he got hurt. You know, wasn't quite able to get back to the sharpness that he had found in those kind of two months. And he, you know, he says to me, spoilers for the story I'm going to eventually write on milehighsports.com. But he, he says, you know, yeah, you just, you just want six months like those two months. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what I'm aiming for. And, you know, I, I did learn a lot last year. And uh, he really seems to be, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating was I asked him about, scouting reports and stuff. He says, yeah, yeah, you got to, you know, you read all the scouting reports, you really study those things. But I also, what I really want to know is what a guy does against me. You know, what has he done? Uh, or or may, may, maybe a pitcher like him, I would imagine too. You could learn a lot from that. But, you know, he learns from every single at bat. And, and while I didn't like go through individual ones with him, I imagine like we could have, like off the record, obviously, because he's not going to want to give away details when he faces these guys next time. But I very much got the sense that he could have taken me to a random game in his, you know, seventh start last year. And okay, so I faced this guy three times. The first time I faced him, uh, I got him to ground one out to the shortstop, but I didn't feel like I really fooled him with the pitch. And then the second time I did, you know what I mean? Like, I think he's one of those guys who maybe not every single at bat, but he so clearly learns from each encounter. He talked a lot about experience within the division and knowing how to attack hitters within the division. Austin Gomber's a very heady mental pitcher, and you have to be in order to pitch the way he does, which is any pitch, any time, any quadrant, any place. He, you know, and that's tough. There's a reason that a lot of pitchers will stick to a kind of comfort zone of like, I like to throw my fastball up and in, low and away. I like to throw that slider off of the fastball low and away. I like to keep them off of that stuff with a change up low. And if you rock and roll with that in just the right way, it's been a very successful formula for a long time. And then maybe you throw in a, a little, that's where the, the term comes from, right? You throw in a curveball. Uh, you th or for some guys now the the proverbial proverbial easy for me to say curveball might be a uh, a cutter or a sinker something that you'll hear announcers a lot of times say like, keep them honest essentially keep them off of the fastball keep them from guessing ahead of time exactly what pitch you're going to throw which happens a lot a lot more these days these hitters really study guys and so there's 
a number of different ways to approach that. And Austin Gomber's way of approaching it so far throughout his minor league career, his brief time with the Cardinals at the bigs, and then with the Rockies has been this kind of mantra of any pitch, any count, which he said to me today, you know, sometimes that works really great for me. Sometimes, you know, it can be a little bit of an issue. And I, I got to have a little bit better of a baseline fundamental plan for attacking some guys because, and it's amazing when you find that, when you look at the kind of success that he had last year, and it's not exactly pitching by feel, but pitching by a constant reevaluation of the pitch that came before it and saying like, okay, I think I'm going to start this guy off with say uh, a slider inside Right. And all right, he laid off of that. But then maybe I can work my sinker back because he thinks I'm trying to jam him in. So I'm going to bring that over here. And then, okay, he didn't bite on that. So I got a 1 1 count. Okay. Maybe now I'm going to change eyesight. I've been low. I've been low inside. I'm going to drop in the high curveball. He's going to think that's a fastball up because I've been going hard all at bat. And he's doing that every pitch. And a lot of guys do versions of that, but it's with. Two, one or two pitches. Every guy's doing a version of that, I should say. But it's usually with, you know, a limited number of, of potential outcomes. For Gomber, it's the fastball, the changeup, the slider, and the curveball. And he will literally, like, a lot of guys just, they won't throw a breaking pitch in the for the first pitch of an at-bat, except maybe once a game, right? Gomber will throw a high curveball to start an at-bat. He'll do it at Coors Field. And every time he does it, like, it surprises me and most of the times it surprises the hitter and they just watch it drop in for strike one and it's fascinating i've watched a lot of pitchers attack the coors field thing or not even necessarily the coors field thing. i'll just say pitch at coors over the years and i've never seen anybody approach it quite the way gomber does and it led to a, a great deal of success early on especially at home, which was wild for a guy who'd never pitched in the environment before. And then, you know, like I said, uh, after he got hurt, he wasn't quite able to get back there. But I, I think this is another one of these players who, if you're looking at a surprise season for the Rockies, it's definitely going to be a guy like Austin Gomber. And there's a lot of reason for belief and hope in what he brings, because he does have this unique approach. He's got a a plus mix of pitches, you know, none of them, he's kind of like the Rockies himself, like where they don't have any superstar players, right? Except for maybe Chris Bryant, but at every spot, they're actually just pretty damn solid. And maybe that's not super exciting. And maybe that can't stand up when you look over at the Dodgers and they've got like an all-star at every position, but still, you know, above average at every spot, all of a sudden. And that's, Austin Gomber with like all of the tools that you need to be a pitcher. That's, you know, he's got a pretty good fastball. Does he have an elite fastball? No, but it's can touch 95 from the left side, which is pretty good for you. It doesn't have a lot of spin, which for a lot of other teams is bad, but that's been something that actually in the past has boded well for Rockies pitchers. Marquez doesn't have a lot of spin on his fastball. John Gray didn't have a lot of spin on his fastball, stuff like that. So, you know, the slider, not a wipeout Adam Adovino slider by any means, but it's a very good slider, pretty good slider. I would, I would say his slider is probably the weakest of his four pitches, and it's pretty good. His changeup, 
ranges from pretty good to very good. And his curveball is the one pitch that borders on elite, right? And and then his command is good. His control is good. Again, not elite. And his competitiveness and mental drive is going to be what separates him. And that's one of those things that you just can't measure, that you don't know until he goes out there and does the thing. And Austin Gomber is maybe the best example right now. When people talk about they like the human element in the game, this is the human element. You know, it's not, oh, we can't get the calls right at the plate. Sorry. Sorry to sneak that in there. <laughs> it's, a, it's not about that. That's not the human element, you know. And I love all the data and all the analytics as much as anybody, even though I, I battle with them sometimes and in studying and interpreting them. But this is the human element of baseball. Austin Gomber, what's going to separate him or not is going to be whether that, that drive and really because going back to what I said at the very beginning, because he's such a mental pitcher, so much of his success isn't going to come down to, does he throw the fastest, hardest fastball or the wipeoutest, wipeoutiest slider? Just invented a word. The biggest breaking curveball every once in a while, maybe that one. But that's, his success is going to come down to pitch selection, outthinking hitters, deciding to do the right thing at the right time more often than not, because that's his game. And he's found a way to be very successful with it. And I'm very excited, very excited to watch him pitch this year now after talking to him and, and hearing him say some of the things that he's learned about and and his general approach to Coors Field. You know, again, I'm probably going to repeat a lot of this in written form here in the next few days. And, and I hope you'll still read the Austin Gomber article. But the last thing I'll say on him was, you know, we talked about the Coors Field thing and he didn't even talk about, he, he mentioned, he admitted, you know, yeah, there's little things in between the lines that are different, you know, and he wasn't, he knew that I knew the details. Yeah, the ball moves a little different. All right. There's spins a little. Yeah, sure. He's like, I can deal, uh, deal with all that. That That's the, the issue is coming up with a routine off the field. This is something I think more guys are understanding and more guys are talking about a bit more openly and publicly. I remember Charlie Blackman being one of the first I heard really coming out and saying, man, the altitude, the thing that people don't understand is that it's about recovery. In a 162-game season, not being able to feel your best. I've had more guys this spring training talk to me about getting a good night's sleep <laughs> than I ever have before. But a lot of these guys are new to the altitude thing, either because they're young players who are, you know, just coming up to the big leagues or because they're new players coming in from other teams. Right. And this is what I think the information, this is the, what they're learning about from these other guys, from somebody like Charlie Blackman is you got to get a really good night's sleep. You got to eat right. Like all this stuff that we would think surely these guys know and do, but they're also used to certain routines, you know, I've had, uh, somebody told me, I, I won't tell you who, but what, somebody told me, uh, you know, when I go on the road, I just sleep all day all night, I get. He's like, I feel like I get all my sleep on the road because in Denver it's just so hard, and you got to overhydrate. Like the the it's it's all about body recovery, right? And so, if some of these guys and and I had a conversation like that that was similar with Brendan Rogers. So if Austin Gomber, Brendan Rogers, 
These are the guys that have to maximize their potential for the Rockies to surprise people. And look, folks, it's it's spring training. It's hype train time. There's a lot of reasons. I talked about them all offseason. I wrote about them. If you saw in the pieces where I graded out the Rockies, you can go and read all the criticisms of why this team might not go anywhere, right? I've got them all there in writing for you, and we can hash all that out again if you're trying to fairly grade them where they stand right now against the rest of the league, they're probably not a postseason team. But here's one of the reasons why I generally wait till the end of spring training to do like predictions on games and why I always think it's kind of fun. You know, you got to have fun with it because predictions can often be very silly for precisely this reason, that human element, those players who do end up maximizing their potential. Some of them won't. You know, but there's a lot of these guys here in the category of Brandon Rogers, Ryan McMahon, Austin Gomber, Justin Lawrence, Ayla Harris Montero, Ryan Valade, Colton Welker, Ryan Rollison, Peter Lambert, that we just don't know. Anyone who tells you they know exactly the season that any one of those guys is going to have, they're bloviating. There's, a, there's an opportunity to use a word. That is bloviation is what that is. You don't know. Like, I can tell you, I think within a reasonable window, what I think Charlie Blackman and C.J. Crone and probably even a guy like Kyle Freeland or Herman Marquez. Herman Marquez has kind of a wider window, but you you don't expect him to be below average at all. He's either going to be good or he's going to be great. Those are your options with Marquez, right? Or a guy like Justin Lawrence, he may struggle. You know, the, the resume is not there. He's only got 16 innings at the big league level. And if he doesn't get the command together, maybe he spends all season in AAA. And that's really disappointing. Or maybe a guy who throws 100 miles an hour from an angle that no one's seen 100 miles an hour from with a plus slider becomes your closer. and starts leading you into a run in a similar way to a guy like Manny Corpus did in 2007. And nobody was expecting Manny Corpus going into that season to be that guy, especially not with the best reliever in franchise history. Brian Fuentes already had the closer position locked down and, and he was a good closer for the first half of that season for the Rockies, but he blew like five or six in a week. How many games did they play that week? It was, and and he lost the closer role, and Manny Corpus had been so good, and and he and he had had you know the kind of season that I could see Justin Lawrence having, where he started out you know just making the roster, pitching the sixth, you know, but the stuff was ridiculous, and it kept getting better and tighter, and he was gaining experience, and the better he was, the later he started to pitch until he took over firmly in the setup role. And was and the Rockies had this dynamic one-two punch, the back end of their bullpen, and then he ended up having to take over as closer, and was insane all the way through the postseason. His numbers, Manny Corpus's numbers in the postseason were ridiculous. By the way, in 2007, there's a reason the Phillies were like trying to accuse him of cheating and stuff when he poured water on his shirt, because they're like, how does he throw the ball like that, man? But that's the kind of thing where again. Bullpens and relievers, you, you never really fully know, but I feel like Justin Lawrence is a really good 
sort of microcosm for this team where you can see a lot of potential. You can see a lot of room for it to not work out, right? Maybe almost in equal measure, but I'm, I, I, I'm got to apologize to the folks who say, I don't see any potential here. I don't see any that I just, I think that's quite silly. I re- I really do. If you don't see any potential in guys like Gomber, Montero, the ones we've talked about today, I'm not going to do the list again. <laughs> Lawrence, I am going to do the list again. Those, that's what that's what this game is all about. That's what professional sports, I think, are in a lot of ways all about is finding out who digs deeper and makes the best version of themselves, who can find it within themselves to become that guy. You know, uh, I'll, I'll finish on this story. And, and here's a phrase that I'm going to rib. A, I think it's okay if I call him a friend. I'm going to rib a friend in Mark Kislow over at the Denver Post. You, you got to love. Well, you got to know who Mark Kislow is. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy Kiz. I, I, re, I really do. He's a good guy. Uh, I like talking sports and history and, and just kind of stuff with him, right? We almost never agree on the Rockies, and that's fine. But he wrote actually recently a very good piece about Ryan McMahon. And one of the things that, and I actually was standing there as they were having the conversation, uh, McMahon talked about he was not a good defender when he came into the organization. I remember a year when he committed like 30 errors uh, somebody told me a story about basically McMahon committed an error that lost them the championship in Grand Junction. And then the very next season, he like won them the championship in Asheville with a big defensive play. Um, but he wasn't a, a great defender when he came into the organization. He was a great athlete. He had great potential. But a lot of the finer details of, especially at the professional level, playing third base, you know, until he got to Jerry Weinstein. And this is the same story, actually, with Nolan Arenado. He was not. And look at the scouting reports. I remember he was never talked about as being a phenomenal defender, Nolan Arenado, ever during his minor league career. His bat was known. His defense was not. Basically, till he got to the bigs. And it's a similar story here with Ryan McMahon, that until he got his first full season of playing his natural position, and not even really that because he had to go over and play second base a third of the time, he wasn't, we did not realize how good he was, or maybe even just could be, or was becoming in front of our very eyes. Those are the things that, you know, what's the phrase, didn't have that on my bingo card, right? Not a lot of people had Ryan McMahon, arguably the best defender in baseball, on their bingo card, even going into last season. A year ago today, spring training, getting ready for that season, I didn't. I don't remember seeing anybody predict, even me, I was like, I think he's going to be very good. Uh, I remember people advocating for Josh Fuentes to play third base because they thought he was the better defender. But as it turned out, sometimes guys got to show you what they can do. And boy, am I excited, especially because they've got the veterans around so that they can take a lot of the flack. They still they have Crone and Blackman and now Gritchick and these guys that 
are going to do what you just expect them to do so that guys like Rodgers and McMahon, some of these other players can really go out and flourish, show us what they can do. Yep, hope springs eternal this time of year. It's always good to be in the sunshine, isn't it, folks? It's it's good to be out here. It's good to be covering the team. It's good to see that they're in good spirits. Bud Black seems very happy with his roster. Uh, you know, it's not totally set yet, so uh, we'll look into that. I think tomorrow I may either write or talk about, uh, you know, my predictions for the final roster set. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you're following me. On Twitter at Drew Creaseman. Make sure you're reading everything at milehighsports.com, that you're subscribed to this 20th and Blake podcast and all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Network. Otherwise, I can only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.